The other extra feature on this program is with Drs. Miller, Perez, and Weiner, beginning with a case presented by Dr. Mark Robbins. This is a 52-year-old female with a history of a tubal ligation in 1980, cholecystectomy in 2001, and a parathyroidectomy in 2004, who was found to have a right breast mass, invasive ductal cancer, grade 3. A lumpectomy and axillary dissection was performed with the findings of the primary tumor measuring 1.9 centimeters, 5 out of 11 axillary lymph nodes were positive with focal extracapsular extension, ER and PR were negative by immunostain chromovision, and HER2 new was 1 plus by IHC. And with a high but not quantitated KI67, low expression for P53, near diploid tumor, and a low S phase. Because of my perceived discordance of all these findings, I decided to fish the HER2 new, which came back amplified at 5. Hmm. Is it a ratio of 5 or a total number of 5? The ratio, ratio of 5. five. Thank you. Based on that, I subsequently wondered whether it was possible that the ER and the PR were incorrect as well. I requested the slides, which were reviewed informally by my local pathologist, who thought the IHC for ER was 3 plus, PR negative, hair to new 2 plus. The original pathologist at another institution was informed of all this and stood by their original interpretation after retesting. The patient was subsequently sent out to our tertiary referral center, primarily to get the path retested to break the tie. Their report indicated that they would review the original blocks and perform their own testing. At the same time, I decided to treat the patient with TCH and get an oncotype assay as a quantitative measurement of ERPR and HER2 new. The oncotype score returned at 34, ER positive at 7.6, PR borderline at 5.5, and hair to new negative at 9.6. Subsequent to this, the tertiary center's retesting of ERPR by IHC showed ER positive to 50%, PR 1%. She basically completed TCH, has gotten local radiation therapy, is on her septum to complete a year, and tamoxifen unless this panel feels differently. So, Eric, I don't even know where to begin with this. We spent an entire day with a panel just talking about tissue biomarkers in breast cancer. There's so much to talk about, and it's kind of scary. This is, I don't think this is necessarily an isolated event. I've had four cases in the last three months where the IHC has been read 3-plus. By The relationship I have with my pathologist is uh, now become almost an informal one. We know each other so well, so it's not like we're just talking in a formal type of way now. So I have an understanding, a little bit of a better understanding as to what happens to this tissue as described in your previous CD among the pathologists as to what actually happens. And I actually went back to see whether or not this tissue was taken and processed over the weekend to find out whether it could have been that the protein had degraded. Turns out this was done on a Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> My pathologist also tells me that it should basically be a false negative, not a false positive, if it was screwed up by processing, yeah, which is the exact opposite of this. When our program, Craig Allred, the pathologist, was talking about this issue of the people who have surgery on Friday have lower ERs, and it may be related to not having the specimen sliced over the weekend or until Monday where the fixative get whatever, but it was scary. So faculty... 
Let's get this real practical here. What do docs in practice do to try to get the ER and HER2 right? What do you think about this case, Kathy? Well, I actually had a lot of thoughts, which are, I apologize, jumbled. So my first question for you is, how far from her surgery was she when you started the TCH? I'd say probably two months. Okay. It got to a point where I thought that the testing was becoming more confusing and a decision needed to be made on treatment. And so I called it to a halt. And that's actually what I was looking for. I sometimes have seen these issues where someone felt like it's four weeks from surgery. I need to get this lady started on therapy. And then they're struggling with now they have discordant results. And what do I do? But also, you if know, you've pushed it and she's getting out to two to three months, at some point you have to come to the best decision of all of the discordant pathology. Theories- so if you had all the results you have now, what would you have done? I mean, because I'm wondering, how do you not give trastuzumab to a patient who you know has a fish of five? Well, so I think what we're all struggling with is that we don't know who the various pathologists and the various pathology labs who gave these discordant results might be. Fish tests can be inaccurate as well. For processing issues and delays in the immediate processing, false negatives are more common. But the pathology code word for this for immunohistochemistry is antigen retrieval. That should trigger in your mind the thought that false positives are a real issue as well. That can be an issue with fish testing as well. If this lady had admixed DCIS, depending on where the fish was done, it's difficult to know if you're reading fish in the invasive disease or in the DCIS, and that can lead to inaccurate fish testing. Talk to the pathologist and the people in charge of the lab. Make sure a pathologist is actually reading the samples and not a technician. You have to know how the tissues were processed. You have to know which labs were tested. And I commonly get the blocks, send them out, and have the whole thing be retested. Well, I'm not surprised. You did that by going to the uh, tertiary center. I, I understand. I think you did that perfectly. You got results that didn't make sense, that left you feeling uncomfortable with making a treatment decision on the information you had available for this woman. You sent it elsewhere. You get discordant results. I'm not surprised that the original pathologist said, I did it correctly. The results are what they are. That's what they virtually always say. So you're then stuck with two discordant results. You can either send it a third place as a tiebreaker. I would pick a reference laboratory for that third place. You can figure out which one you trust more and which really is more concordant with the larger picture that you're seeing with this patient and make a treatment decision. The nightmare is you send it a third place and you get back a third set of results that don't match any of them. At this point, she has one test result that from your experience with the laboratories, the fish of five you think is more accurate. She was negative for her two by the oncotype, but we don't know what that means as far as predicting benefit for trastuzumab. It's not been used even retrospectively to try to assess that in any of the trastuzumab trials. So I would not not give her trastuzumab on the basis of that. Would you give her trastuzumab if... For some reason, she had an archetype, and they turned around and said it was her two positive. And no, but it, the but IHC that would tr- was negative, and the fish was negative. No, but that would trigger me to go back and ask them to repeat the IHC in the fish or do it in another laboratory to make certain. But if those are truly negative, a couple of times in labs I trust, but archetype says it's positive, I wouldn't give her trastuzumab, and Edith, Edith would let me enroll her in a trastuzumab adjuvant trial. You were part of an effort looking at this question. What was your take on it? I tell you, we've looked at this issue of ER, PR, and certainly HER2 validity from local central laboratories for the last several years. 
have a chance to work with a lot of pathologists, not only here in North America, but outside of the world, to address this issue. We were part of the ASCO CAP group to try to come up with guidelines for her to test in as an attempt to improve reliability. And I can tell you now that we've looked at about almost 4,000 specimens that have been submitted for consideration for ALTO. I am very concerned because we remain finding about a 15% discordance with corroboration of fish or IHC, even after the ASCO guidelines were implemented. So this is a serious issue. And because of this, we are set to do a very large round-robin project to take two more specimens to be read by two expert quote-unquote pathology groups, also by a commercial laboratory, all blinded, to figure out if even experts can agree on her to testing on similar specimens, because that will be very telling for practice. Mm-hmm. Certainly for our patients right now, is, you know, what do we do when we know that there's this discordance of 15 to 20%? I think discussion with local pathologists is important. At least follow the ASCO guidelines to the T, If not, send the specimens to a central laboratory that does a lot of these tests on a routine basis. And maybe, you know, we'll come to the day where we realize that there is indeed some heterogeneity in breast cancers and that doing a single test is not enough. But on the other hand, what we've been doing so far works pretty well. We found that anti-estrogens work for ER positive. We know that anti-HER2 therapies work for HER2 positive. So the question is, can we further optimize by doing two tests in each patient, and only the future will tell. Eric, what about an issue where there's a discrepancy between oncotype and the IHC for ER? Which one do you have more confidence in? We had a case, one of the faculty cases yesterday was a situation where there was a total discrepancy in the ER with IHC, I think it was 20, 30 percent positive, and had an oncotype negative. Yeah, so those discrepancies, as was mentioned yesterday, seem to occur most often in patients who have borderline or low ER-positive tumors. And the benefit of endocrine therapy probably relates to the strength of the ER signal. So there, you know, if in fact when we're not giving endocrine therapy, you're missing what is probably not a huge benefit That said, if I received an oncotype test back that had an ER-positive result, I would probably give that woman endocrine therapy. Here, I don't know what to do. So you have this diploid tumor that doesn't have a high KI-67, but that actually doesn't fit with HER2-positive disease either. And it doesn't fit with grade 3 and, and and either. So and how reliable the, are any of those things? And the, well, I, so grade, I don't, get, I don't get those. Yeah. And is the grade 3 consistent across the three centers? Yeah, so I'm concerned that the two discordant pieces of information you have are this low KI-67 or not high KI-67, which doesn't fit with either a grade 3 ER-positive PR-negative tumor terribly well, and it doesn't really fit with a HER2-positive tumor. And then the other discordant piece of information you have is that you have a bunch of HER2 tests that actually are negative other than one FISH result. So... I'm not quite sure what to make of any of this, and I'm going to say something that you don't want to hear, which is that I'm a little nervous. I don't know whether the tumor is HER2 positive or not, and I don't know if this is all about tumor heterogeneity, but if it isn't, she's received a course of chemotherapy that is a pretty non-standard course of chemotherapy for HER2 negative disease. So she's had six cycles of carboplatin and taxotere, which 
doesn't anchor into any HER2 negative regimen. So I have to say that I would be a little bit more comfortable in this woman with stage three breast cancer if she had received a more perhaps traditional chemotherapy regimen with an anthracycline and a taxane. I don't know what to do at this point in time though. Do you routinely fish three plus IHC? We as a practice have not routinely done that. Our pathologists recently have decided that they think it's the best approach to do both tests and we have not objected to having them do this. And, you know, the other issue that came up yesterday, Neil, is the fact that, you know, generally speaking, our testing doesn't create such problems. We should recognize that this is the minority of cases. Of course, this minority of cases gets discussed a great deal. I think this is a particularly vexing one. And I guess because I think the HER2 status is so important, you've already made a treatment decision but I would actually be tempted to send a fish to another reference lab. And I would order the hair mark in this particular patient. In spite of it being a new test, it's being validated, and this is the one piece of information that it's lacking that could really help. I want to go on to finish this session in a couple minutes with Alan, your Russian lady, but first, again, I'll take a moment if anybody has any questions or comments. And give her endocrine therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got a bunch of yeah. tests that show ER positive, PR negative disease, and I think people know this, but, you know, PR doesn't affect response to endocrine therapy. What PR indicates is a higher risk of early recurrence. Yeah, there are no clinical data that I'm aware of in the world at this time that would justify doing a fish test in a tumor specimen that is reliable IHC3+. Which this wasn't. Which it wasn't. But oh. in terms of the comments, I address your yes, question. Yes. Does Dennis Slayman do fish on IHC3 plus? Well, I cannot comment on what he would I'll, do. I'll, I'll tell you how I'll predict yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, in that patient who has a 3 plus result that our pathologists are sending off the fish, based on that 3 plus result in a good lab, because I think we have a good lab, I would treat with adjuvant HER2 directed therapy. Has Taxol Carbo ever been compared to TC? as chemo, because I see that when I was thinking myself and going through this and looking online, looking at different clinical trials that were done, it looked to me that there was a neoadjuvant trial from UCLA and another one, I think, from Greece that basically compared TC with an adriamycin-based neoadjuvant and basically showed equivalence in terms of response. Yeah, there were data, you're absolutely correct, with the Greek study published in one of the mainly European journals, I think it was Annals of Oncology, that looked at carbo paclitaxel versus an epirubicin sacrofosomide containing regimen in metastatic first line, and the data were identical in the setting of HER2-negative disease. But we have not tested the paclitaxel and carbo in the adjuvant setting. As you know, many people didn't believe that regimen that was piloted back in 1995 when we wrote the first study. So we haven't taken it to the adjuvant setting, but now people certainly have tested the docetaxel carbo trastuzumab in the adjuvant setting. I can imagine a lot of anxiety. I'm mean, putting myself in the position of this woman at two months with all, you know, I don't know oh, how, was she oh, well yeah. informed about all what was going on? She was amazingly placid with all the information which was given to her as it came. Of course, she went out for a second opinion to Moffitt, and I mean, I myself would not have been so placid about it, but she actually was okay with it. Her hope was that we were ultimately going to get to the final result, and whereas I would have basically said, well, how could you not know whether it's positive or negative? She had a different tact. Is this something, I'm just kind of curious, because when I hear about it, again, when I listen to these people all day long talking about this thing, it really seemed like a challenging, difficult problem. Is 
that really the fact in your practice or things just kind of flow by and you don't run into this situation that often? We're not even doing IHC at all. We're only doing fish. So I don't know if there's wow. a discrepancy. I have an anxiety about what if I'm getting a false positive because I am totally TCH and I know that's not a standard. If I'm getting a false positive with Herceptin, I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. So it is a problem. So Edith wants to know why you're just doing fish. Yeah, because you're missing 8% of patients, about 5 to 8% of patients whose tumors are IHC3+, who might benefit from adjuvant anti-HER2 therapy. I guess our pathologists don't trust themselves because they're not doing them. You should send it outside then for people yeah. who can do them. I mean, it's really, it really could be a significant issue for patients. Okay. I think that actually is really what this comes down to. The testing sounds simple, but it's not simple. And it's not simple on many technical levels, some of which we and our pathologists may have some control over, some of which we don't have as much control over as we would like. The testing also imposes arbitrary cutoffs, sometimes dichotomous, sometimes three or four groups on what is really a continuum. So some of this difficulty is because in the continuum, that tumor happens to fall near one of those arbitrary cut points. And the test done equally well by different people on different days may put it slightly on a different side of those arbitrary borders that we have imposed. So some of this discordance we'll never get rid of. Some of the discordance may be because of heterogeneity in the tumor. That heterogeneity may be from different blocks. It may be within the same block. I've gotten her two fish results back where they said overall the ratio was 1.2 that would be negative. But in this, we see a subpopulation that is 10% of the cells. And in that 10% of the cells, the fish ratio was 5.6. And Mark just took a deep breath uh, listening it, to that one. And it, like, it, so, I mean, they, all of these things are issues. So some of the technical issues we can get resolved. I can envision a day where none of these tests will be done at all of our local hospitals. They'll be done at separate specialized centers where at least the quality control issues have been standardized and resolved. But what this really means right now is oncologists have to understand how these tests are done and how all of these issues are. You have to be constantly vigilant as you were when you get a constellation of pathology features that don't make sense, that triggers you to call the pathologist, to go look at the slides with the pathologist, to question how was it processed, to demand, sometimes over the objection of other folks, that this be sent out, tested again, tested elsewhere. And that we all have to work together on this. And it also means patients need to be aware of this and sometimes need to realize that it's okay not to start therapy today because we need to make sure we've made the best decision rather than the quick decision when we're uncomfortable. I think heterogeneity should make you feel better about your treatment choices. Let's go on to Alan's case. And I was thinking about just like, why can't we build a building for Mike Press and have another building for Craig Allred and just Send all the HER2 and ER to those two, just sort of... Well, but even in Mike's hands, as published by himself, fish is not 100% reliable. Even in his own laboratory, 12% variety. So it's tough right now. Now you're scaring me. 